Larry Walters was possibly one of the most daring and foolish pilots in history. Um, way back in 1982, Larry and his girlfriend, they made a trip down to the Army-Navy surplus store in San Pedro, California. They went into the store and they bought 45 secondhand large weather balloons. Then from there, they went to another store, a kid's store, and they bought a bunch of large helium tanks. And they inflated the balloons and attached them to an aluminum chair that Larry had sitting in his girlfriend's backyard. This is a true story, by the way. With several friends watching, Larry climbed into the lawn chair, dubbed Inspiration One. He settled in for a solo flight and had a friend untie the rope. Now, all Larry had with him was a CB radio. He had some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, uh, a parachute, a camera, a six-pack of beer, and a fully loaded BB gun. Why a BB gun, you ask? So that he could shoot holes in the balloons when he was ready to come back down. His intentions at the time were to kind of lazily saunter up a little bit over his neighborhood. He was thinking maybe 50 to 100 feet above the neighborhood. But his friends would later describe how when they untied the rope, he shot off like a cannonball being shot out of a cannon. Two and a half hours later, Larry was spotted by two commercial airline pilots 16,000 feet up in the air. At first, he was too frightened to shoot the balloons because he thought if I shoot them, they might tip me sideways and then I'm toast. But eventually, um, being 100 miles away from his launch point and three miles up in the air, freezing cold, getting dizzy because of, of the thin air up there, he decided to shoot several of his balloons and he began to float down. And he had his eyes on a patch of ground that was just past this Long Beach uh, country club. He made it down, but he ended up getting entangled in a set of high-voltage power lines. Fortunately for Larry, you got to Google this. I'm not making any of this up. Fortunately for Larry, the plastic tethers on his, uh, on his whole getup protected him from electrocution as he dangled above the ground. Well, eventually, the fire department and utility crews, they, they arrive on the scene, and they cut the power lines. They had to black out um, a portion of Long Beach, California, for 20 minutes. And Larry became this overnight celebrity. He ended up making the talk show circuit. He showed up on the Johnny Carson show, showed up on the David Letterman show. For those of you that are younger, those are like the old talk show peeps. And a local journalist asked Larry three questions. First question was, Larry, were you scared? Larry said, yes. Second question, Larry, would you do it again? Larry said, no. And then the third question they said, asked was, Larry, why did you do it? To which Larry replied, a man just can't sit around. A man can't just sit around. And <laughs> he's got to do something with his life. And I'm pretty sure that most of us in this room would never become so desperate to get off the couch that we'd pull a stunt like Larry. But I do think that many people are bored frustrated, discouraged with the level of impact, the level of significance, the, the, the amount of difference that their life is, is, is having, that they go, okay, they're, they're just frustrated. They're bored. They know that life is, is about more than making a paycheck. It's, it's got to be about more than winning my fantasy football league. It's got to be about more than just day in and day out stuff. But they just can't seem to get momentum happening in their lives. And so what do they do? Typically, they, they do one of two things. Either they will pack their life full with so much stuff, just crowd it with activities, pile on the busyness, run through life like a chicken with your head cut off, or rather than get stuck in this cycle of busyness, what they'll do is they will just 
get stuck in apathy. Drive home, or wake up, go to work, drive home, grab a TV dinner out of the freezer, put it in the microwave, sit down, watch TV, go to bed, wake up, drive to work, rinse, repeat, over and over and over and over again for the rest of your life. And the first group of people has lots of activity, but get this, they have no momentum. No momentum whatsoever. So last week we talked a little bit about the science of momentum. Momentum is mass times velocity. Momentum is not mass times speed. It's mass times velocity. You have an object and it gets moving faster and faster. It actually gets, it gets more momentum. But it's m mass times velocity that creates momentum. Speed and velocity are different. I can be moving really fast. You know, going forward and backward, forward and backward. I got lots of activity going in my life right now. I'm really, really busy. I got the kids and everything that's possible. I'm involved in every activity under the sun. Going forward, backward, lots of activity, moving, moving, moving. But I am making no forward progress whatsoever. I have no momentum. I am going nowhere. I'm stuck in this place. Velocity is speed with direction. It's speed with purpose. And if you want momentum in your life, you need to have more than just speed, busyness, activity, all that kind of stuff. You need velocity, you need direction, you need purpose, you need to be going somewhere. The second group, the apathetic group, has no activity like the first group. They too have no momentum. And last weekend we started talking about how momentum is, momentum is actually a good thing. Momentum is your friend. Momentum means that you are having a life that, that has impact. It's making a difference. The more momentum, the more impact, whereas the less momentum you have, the less impact. Whether you're talking about your personal life, your marriage, your family, your church, whatever, if you have no momentum, it, it means your impact is less. Momentum is, is your friend. And during the season that, that we're in right now, so we're going from summer, kind of transitioning into fall, and, and for most in this room, your, your life just kind of kicks into a different gear. You go from the lazy days of summer to, to, to more busyness, more stuff happening, calendars filling up. And I'd love to look at what it takes to gain momentum in your life not just more busyness, not just more activity, but momentum where you're living your life with purpose, you're living your life with direction, where you're making an eternal difference. And, and to do that, to kind of get us there, I'd like to look at a man in the Bible who had zero, zero momentum in his life. The story is found in John chapter 5. If you've got a Bible or you've got a Bible app, feel free to go there. John 5 verse 1, it says this. Sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. So kind of to help you understand what's happening here in this little, this little scene, in ancient Jerusalem there was a pool. It was actually... It looked like two pools because down the middle was this walkway, but really it was, it was one pool. And legend had it that this pool had some kind of mysterious, kind of mystical power about it. People believed back in the day that an angel would come down from time to time and kind of stir the water, get the water stirring. And when the water stirred, what people believed is that if you were sick or you had some kind of physical condition, if you were the first to jump in the water when the water stirred, then you would you would be healed. And so they would just kind of sit there. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, they would come and just hang out, waiting, hoping that their time would eventually come. And the Bible goes on to say, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 
And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So here's this guy. He's an invalid. Most people think that he was probably paralyzed in some sort of way. And Jesus comes along and says, kind of the silliest question that you you could think to ask that person. He says, do you want to get well? And it's silly because here's this guy. He's hanging out by this pool where people hang out because they want to get well. It's kind of like you go up to somebody who's hanging out in the ER with a busted up arm, and you walk up to them and say, hey, do you want to see a doctor and get better? They're like, uh, hello, why else would I be here? Yes, I want to get, I want to get better. But Jesus, he asked the question anyway, and, and I think I know why he asked it. It's because, you know, sometimes you can find yourself getting caught in a lifestyle without meaning, without purpose, without momentum, and you get so stuck there that sometimes you, you can forget how at one time in your life you actually wanted to have a life, a purpose, and meaning, and impact. But you're so stuck in a, in a cycle of apathy, of just going nowhere, that, that that just becomes kind of the norm, and you really don't care about the other stuff anymore. This guy's been here for 38 years, and I wonder if maybe he's forgotten that, yeah, he's here actually because he wants to get better. We, we can get there sometimes. Your life is so hurried, busy, it's frantic, but that's it's just what you do when, when you live in 21st century America. Or your life is just work and TV, but that's just what you do when, when all the kids leave, leave home. You're stuck there because that's just, that's just how, how, how you live. Jesus comes up and he says, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This is his response to Jesus. And do you, do you notice there what he doesn't say? He doesn't a- answer the question that Jesus has. He doesn't say, yes, I want to get well. In fact, what he does is he actually gives a bunch of excuses as to why he's not getting in, in the pool. And basically, he indirectly says to Jesus, I want to get well, but everyone else is getting in my way. Rather than his own situation being, he's kind of dwelling on everybody else. He's, he's blaming everybody else. And as a result, he stays stuck in this place where he has no momentum. He's not going anywhere. He's just sitting there waiting for something to happen. Now, you might read this story and think this is a story about, it's, just a, it's about a sick guy that's by a pool and Jesus shows up. But, uh, this guy who nobody seems to care for. But, but let me give you a little bit more of a broader context as to what's actually happening here in this story. Last week, we looked at how the, the nation of Israel was set apart. They were chosen by God for a very specific purpose. This guy is an Israelite. He ha- is a guy that, that has been set apart for a purpose like the rest of his nation. This purpose is to advance God's kingdom, is to be a blessing God said to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. This man is one of those descendants. In the other place in the Bible, uh, talking about the Israelites, God's people, it says, they tell the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. That calling to proclaim the kingdom of God and be a light for his glory is for this guy this guy who's sick, who's beside this pool, that calling has not just gone away because he's, he's in this condition. It's, it hasn't gone away because God set them aside and, and, and gave him this calling hundreds of years prior. That calling in this moment is just as valid for this guy as it was way back in the day when, he, when God gave this, this, this calling to Abraham. Nothing's changed. This guy, his life 
has purpose written all over it. But here he is, he's, he's just stuck in a place of apathy. He's lost sight, and I, I think this is what happens a lot of times in the church. He's lost sight of the, the bigger picture. Rather than his life being about this greater thing that God is, is about, his life has kind of shrunk down, 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 to where now the whole point of his life is he's just kind of living for himself, just getting up every day, doing his thing, heading down to the pool, because that's just what he's supposed to do. Hoping to catch a break, waiting for something to happen. Because when it happens, then he can begin going somewhere. Then he can begin doing something with his life. But in the meantime, he just waits. And I was thinking this this week as I was reading through this story, how so many people in the church are in a similar place to this, this guy here. You've been called by Christ to live life to the full. You've been called by Christ to live life in a way where it's just firmly established in the love that Christ has for you. A life where you're spending your days basking in the peace and in the joy uh, of God as opposed to worry and sadness and fear. You're, you've been called to a life, a purpose, where you're making a difference in the lives of those around you. And I don't want you to take my word for it this morning. I want you to take God's word for it. And so I just want to read some, some verses that paint a picture of life, that, that, what life is supposed to look like for the follower of Christ. God's word says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What are all these things? Well, you look at the context of that verse, it's talking about living a worry-free life, the blessings of God, a peace that, that comes when you know your Father in heaven has got you covered, he's got your back, he's going to provide for you. Or how about this verse where it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline. And, and I'd ask you this morning, which set of words describes you? Fear and timidity or the other set? Power, love, and self-discipline. If you're like most people, you'd probably have to say the second set of words. But that's not the life according to God's word that we've been called to. And if that's where the, the majority of our experience lies, then something must be off because God says, I've given you something else. Another place in the Bible it says this, it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the life you're called to as a follower of Christ. Christ in you, living life by faith, free to love because of his love for you. And it doesn't stop there. God's word goes on to talk a lot about purpose and a lot about why we're here to just kind of cast some vision for your life. Jesus says this, he says, you are the light of the world, let your light shine before others. In another place, it says, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen, this is talking about you for, for, you, for those who are followers of Jesus, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he's made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. You and I have been called, invited into this incredible adventure of following Jesus, going where he leads, living life to the full, living a life that is about impact, that's about making a difference in the world around us. And, and what do we do? A lot of the times we're like the man 
sitting beside the pool. Rather than living life to the full, rather than stepping into this life, this, this calling that God has for us, we sit by the pool, so to speak, waiting. Waiting for something to happen. And when that something happens, then I'll begin to walk into this life that Christ has called me to. What's the thing? Here's a question for you this morning. What's the thing that you're waiting for that is holding you back from this life that you've been set apart for? What is the thing that's holding you back? What, what are you waiting to see happen? Maybe for somebody in the room, you're waiting for that person who hurt you back in the day to come up and, to, and, and apologize to you. Because when they do that, then you'll begin moving into forgiveness. Then you'll begin to let go of resentment and all that stuff. Then you'll begin to, to get some momentum in your life. You want a recipe for zero momentum in your life? Unforgiveness and resentment will do it to you every single time. In fact, Jesus, in, in Matthew 18, 34, he talks about how unforgiveness and resentment is actually like, it's like you've been thrown into jail. When you're in jail, you're not going anywhere fast. You've got zero momentum happening. People in jail aren't living life as God intended them to live it. Maybe there's a student in the room and you know that Jesus is calling out to you. He's inviting you. He's whispering to your heart and to your soul saying, come follow me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go all in with me. But instead you're waiting. You're waiting for something. Maybe you're waiting for graduation. Maybe you're waiting to become an adult. Maybe you're waiting to just have some, 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 a little bit of fun before you go all in with Jesus. Maybe there's someone else in the room who has a, a big idea or a big dream or something that God is calling you to. He's putting your heart. Maybe God's calling you to move out of your place of safety, to engage the world around you, maybe to engage your church family on a different level, in a new way, but you're stuck. You're waiting for something to happen. Maybe you're waiting for goosebumps. Maybe you're waiting for a feeling. Maybe you're waiting for the kids to leave the house. Maybe you're waiting for your your financial picture to kind of sort itself out a little bit better. Maybe you're waiting for better timing. I don't know what it is, but what is it for you? Where are you not living the life that God's called you to because you're waiting for something to happen? The guy in our story has been stuck for 38 years. That's a long time. And, and here's what happens with waiting. I find that the longer you, you wait, the more you stuck you actually get. And before you know it, you, you get discouraged, hopelessness settles in. And if you're like most people, when that happens, you just keep waiting. You don't do anything. This guy has been in this spot for 38 years, but things are about to change. And the only reason that they're about to change is because someone just walked onto the scene Someone who happens to be eternal God, who created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, just walked on the scene. This person shows up, and the, and the message that Jesus has for this man is simple and straightforward. Jesus walks up to this guy, and, he, and the Bible says, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And not only is this guy's sickness cured, but this guy's lack of momentum is also cured. Because if you read the rest of the story, all of a sudden this guy leaves and he begins to tell other people about what's going on in his life. Because they see, okay, here's this guy. He's healed. He's walking. 
what's going on? This guy starts to tell them about Jesus. This guy's getting back to living the life that he was called to live, being a blessing to others. And there's three things that happen here that, that bring a change in this guy's life. Three things that will ignite momentum, that will get you back to purpose, back to living life to the full. And the first thing is this. This is what happened. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. And Jesus could have, he could have shown up anywhere else, but he shows up at this pool. There's a bunch of guys there at this pool. He could have gone to any of them, but he, instead he shows up to this guy. And I don't know why Jesus chose this guy. I don't know if maybe he just saw this guy's heart was open. I don't know if Jesus just decided in that moment to answer this guy's grandma's prayers of the last 38 years. I don't know if Jesus just decided, okay, I'm going to just bless this guy just because I want to bless this guy. I don't know, but nevertheless, Jesus shows up. And you need to know something about what's happening here in Ferndale, Washington at 1155 on a Sunday morning. Jesus is here. He's here. He's not lying in a grave somewhere. He's, he's not somewhere off there in space, way out there in outer space, twiddling his thumbs. The Bible says that where two people gather together in his name, he is there. Are there more than two people gathered together in the name of Jesus this morning? Yes, which means he is here. And you might have thought this morning, like, you just showed up for another church service just because that's what you're supposed to do. Or you, you, maybe you, you thought you'd humor your friend and, and respond to an invitation but you're here because God wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to move you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you, to rekindle purpose, to get you back on track with the life that he's called you to live. Jesus shows up. And then the next thing that happened is the man, he listened to Jesus. Now you might think, okay, that's, of course he's going to listen to Jesus. But think about it for a second. Jesus has just asked this guy the silliest question that he could have ever asked this guy. And if you read the story a little bit later on, this guy in this moment didn't even actually know who Jesus was. All he knows is some random dude is showing up and saying, hey, do you want to get well? But something in this is tugging at this guy's heart. And rather than say, uh, dude, you're weird. Uh, you're asking me if I want to be healed. Isn't that kind of obvious? Are you trying to just rub my condition in my face? What's up? Leave. Please go away. Who do you think you are? Rather than do all that stuff, the man listens to what Jesus has to say. And when it comes to listening to Jesus, it's, it's, it's about more than just letting words pass through your, your mind. It's about actually opening up your heart and, 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 and listening to, to what he has to say. Opening up your heart and, and letting, letting him speak. Jesus gives this perfect picture to describe what happens in our heart when he speaks. He said, it's like he's standing there knocking on the door of our heart, and we have a choice in that moment. Either we can just kind of shut the door and say, no, I don't want to hear it, or we can go, okay, I'm going to open up the door of my heart, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to what, what he has to say. This man listens. The last thing that happens to cure his lack of momentum is he responded to Jesus by moving into action. He moves into action. Jesus says, get, get up, and he moves. He gets into gear. And I don't know about you, but there's, there, there's, there's a, a, a time where I experience the least amount of momentum in my life. I look at my life and I go, okay, where, where do I experience the least amount of momentum? It's the same, same every single day. 
and it, it happens at the same time, well, roughly the same time. It happens at about 6 a.m. every single morning. <laughs> Zero <laughs> momentum. Uh, the alarm clock goes off. I slowly open my, my, my crusted eyes, and, and then I spring into action. No, <laughs> not at all. I open my eyes very slowly, and then I reach over to my, my alarm clock, and I hit the snooze button. And then I go back to sleep. Seven minutes later, because my alarm clock is set for seven minutes, seven minutes later, the alarm clock goes off again, and, 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 and my blankets feel so warm, my pillow is so soft, but I know that I'm called to something more than just laying there in my bed. There's, there's a day that waits for me. There's, there's a mission in life that waits for me out there somewhere, but my mind begins to play tricks on me, trying to convince me that if I just stay in bed for just seven more minutes, then I'm going to feel so much better. I'm not going to feel groggy. I'm not going to feel tired just seven minutes longer. Or another little thing, a little mind trick that goes on that my mind plays with me is if I just stay in bed for seven more minutes, then I'm going to feel so much better at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just going to be alive. So, so I just need seven more minutes. But listen, it's all a lie. It's a lie. Hitting the snooze button one more time never makes any difference whatsoever. It never does. And after 30 years of hitting snooze buttons, you would think that by now I would, I would figure this out and I wouldn't hit the snooze button. I would just get up. Is anybody else in this room in the same boat as me when it comes to this kind of stuff? All right. I asked that question in the first service, which I should have known better to ask the first service, and they're all like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, buddy. But the morning, it's just so hard because there is zero momentum happening in my life as I lay there in my bed. And then winter comes, and it gets even worse. Because you're lying there in bed and you're thinking the world is so cold and dark and cruel out there. And the rain pelting your window and the wind just feels like the forces of evil trying to keep you down in your bed. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I'll take, I'll take my warm bed. You know, there's only one way that you're going to get momentum in the morning. And it isn't by swinging over and hitting the snooze button on your alarm clock. The only way that you're going to get momentum is you, you grab those blankets and you lift those blankets off of your body, you turn over, you swing your legs over the edge of the bed, you stand up, and you begin to move. You begin to walk. And the same thing, <laughs> yeah, yay for alarm clocks and getting up. Awesome. <laughs> the same thing goes, though, for this man who's laying beside the pool. Jesus comes along and he says, get up. Stop lying around. Move into action. Many of these verses that I read that kind of describe the life that you're called to, I don't know if you noticed it, but it starts with an action word. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek. Do something. Get up. Get moving. And then all these things will be added to you. Be a light. Let your light shine. Whatever that looks like, but begin to let your light shine. Make a difference in your school. Make a difference in your neighborhood. Serve others. Begin to do that, and then people will see the light of Jesus. They'll see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. But it involves action. you got to move. Jesus is really big on not just listening and 
letting all the words go in your head. He's really big on not just hearing his word, but on doing his word, on living it out. And this man in this story was waiting for something to happen. Zero, zero momentum. He's waiting. He's got every excuse in the book to just be there. Not going anywhere when Jesus comes along and Jesus speaks. And if you're living a life where you're just waiting for something to happen before you begin to live the life that God's called you to live, and, and you're, you're just stuck there, Jesus is coming along and he's, he's saying to you, get up. Get up. Get moving. Grab your mat already and begin to walk. Forgive already. Put your gifts and your talents that he's given you, put those into practice already. Have that conversation that he's been asking you to have already. Lead already. Whatever it is that he's asking you to do, he's saying, get up. Get up. And maybe you're thinking, but I just can't. I can't. Rich, if you only knew just what's going on in my life and just how hard it is, how I'm just stuck here and just there's all this stuff that's been going on. This is what's happened in my past and I just, I can't. I can't get up and get moving. Listen, if that's you, that is not a problem. That's not a problem. Jesus will help you move if you just begin to move. Did you know that this story that we just read, Jesus just asked this guy to do something that he could not do. This guy has been laying there for 38 years because he can't move. And Jesus comes along and says, get up. He asks him to do something that he can't do because Jesus knows that if this guy just has enough faith to begin to get up and to begin to move, Jesus, Jesus is going to be, he's going he's gonna to empower him. He's going to help him. He's going to be a strength. When he begins to do it, he's going to be able to, to, to move. This guy is not able, but the God who's asking him to move is able. He just has to respond. He's able to get up, though, because Jesus is there helping him. And it's no different for you here today. I don't know what it is that Jesus is asking you to do. If you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen, he's coming along, he's saying, this is what, get up, begin to move. I don't know what that is. But it doesn't matter how terrified you are. I mean, wasn't Denise's story just such a great story about how here's this, this person. I mean, nobody would think, right, like elementary music teacher. And here she is terrified. But she pushes through that and goes, okay, if God's asking me to do this, I'm going to do it anyways. And then what happens is always happens. God comes through because he doesn't just ask you to do something and leave you hanging. He always comes through and gives you the strength, gives you the need, the, the, the tools, gives you the resources, gives you, gives you what you need to be able to do that thing that he's asking you to do. He's able. Where are you stuck with no momentum? Living far below the life that God's called you to. And can I just say that most Christians live far below the life that God's called them to. They live far below. They just settle for life, just making a paycheck, getting the kids off to college, getting good paying jobs, on and on the cycle goes. We live far below the calling that God has on our life. God has called us. To, the, to purpose, to make a difference, to make an impact, to be people that, are, that are, are letting his light just shine so brilliantly in our homes, our families, our schools, wherever we find ourselves. Where are you living below that calling he's put on your life? Don't live a life where you, you stay stuck, waiting for something to happen before you begin living the life that Jesus is calling you to. Be, be a person that, that keeps your ear tuned to the voice of the Spirit. And when you hear Jesus 
calling to you, inviting you. And by the way, that's what's happening here this morning. God's, God is calling us, calling you, reminding you, okay, I've created you for so much more than just getting by, making it through the day-to-day. And it's staying tuned. God, what are you saying to me? How are, how are you speaking to me? How do you want me to be in the step up? Step up? What does getting up look like for me? And then when you hear him, you, you just say yes. You respond with obedience. And you, and you, you have that, that heart of this, this guy who just, he did it. God comes along and says, get up. And he responds. And he, he goes in the direction that God is calling him to, to go. And when we do that, God begins to shape us. He begins to change us. He begins to transform us. And he begins to transform those around us. Let's be people that say, Jesus, when you, when you ask me to get up, I'll get up. I'll go. I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'll follow you wherever it is that you lead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I think this morning, Lord, if, if we all were honest, God, we have areas in our life, God, where we just tend to settle. God, I think, Lord, we just have this picture of Christianity in, 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 in Western culture for the most part that God is just so far off of what you're inviting us into. God, you're inviting us into something pretty awesome, something that's going to change us. God, something that's going to just impact our kids and grandkids and neighbors and schoolmates. God, all that. God, it's big. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people that don't settle. I pray, God, that we wouldn't settle for busyness, that we wouldn't settle for living an apathetic life. God, I pray that you'd give us faith to not only believe that, that, you're, that you're here this morning, you're speaking to us, but God, I pray that you'd give us faith to believe that, God, you really have set us apart for a life, God, that, that is just making your name great and glorious, a life of seeking you, pursuing you, God, being a light wherever you, you, you call us and place us in. So God, help us to listen and God, help us to be people that respond to you. May we not be slow to respond. May we be quick to respond. Quick to respond. God, I thank you that when we do that, God, you come alongside us in your strength and your power. God, you work in such a way that, God, your name is made great and famous. And God, I pray this morning that, God, we would also be that kind of a church. Lord, you are moving us. God, you are moving us because, God, you are, are good. You're full of grace. God, you see a, a world around us, God, that is in need of a Savior. And so, God, you are moving your church, this church, into a position God, where we're going to be making more of an impact. God, there's going to be uh, just just more, um, uh, be more of a church with more influence and making more of a difference. And God, just seeing you move in greater ways. God, I pray that as you do that, Lord, we be a church that says yes. When you say get up, when you say go here, go here, do that. Have this conversation, that conversation. Lead here, serve there, whatever it looks like. God, may we be a church that just quickly says yeah. Because we know our God. We know who he is. We know that he's faithful. So, Father, I pray all these things in your good, glorious name. Amen.